standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions. Well, uh, before uh, I begin, let us kneel if possible so that we can pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jehovah, for this blessed Sabbath. We thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. We pray that your words may be the only words that are spoken and that the words may may fall on good soil and produce fruit for eternal life. I thank you and I ask these things in the precious name of your only begotten Son, Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm sure that many of you have heard um, and perhaps studied the subject of the remnant or the remnant church. I don't have a doubt about that. But I have a question that I would like for us to, to think about. And that question is, who? Who are the remnant? Many claim to belong or be part of the remnant church. Correct? But who really belongs to the remnant church of God? I would submit to you that only he knows. The Bible clearly states that the Lord knows those who are his. Being baptized or a baptized member of a church constitutes being part of the remnant? What do you say? Note the following quotation. There are many whose names are on the church books, but who are not under Christ's rule. They are not heeding his instruction or doing his work. And because of this, or therefore, they are under the control of the enemy. They are doing no positive good. And because of this, or therefore, they are doing incalculable harm. Because their influence is not a savor of life unto life, It is a savor of death unto death. I lost count on how many times I've read this quote. There's a lot that this statement is saying. If we are not under Christ's rule, we are what?
we need to be under Christ's rule at all times. It's one thing to know it, but it's another thing for it, actual, for it to be actually so. And for, for us to be under Christ's rule, his word must abide in our heart on a daily basis. But how can his word abide in our heart if we are not spending time in his word? In all sincerity, I believe that perhaps we read and study more than what we pray. We need to pray more. What do you say? How, how much time did Christ spend in prayer? And yet he is our example. He is our pattern. But we are too busy, caught up in the things of this world, that we don't have time to pray. And that's why there's issues in our life. There's contention and division because the one that reigns is self and not Christ. There's, there's a movement that is taking place in this world as I speak today. And there is humanity. We're all taking sides. I can... Imagine God looking upon the earth and seeing us as ants, some going this way, others going that way, and they're all forming together and forming bands. And it is my desire and my prayer that I, that he can see and behold me moving in the direction of the remnant church. And it's my desire that every one of you as well. We must heed Christ's instruction and become active in doing the work he has commanded us to do. Otherwise, he will pass us by. The Lord says, shall I not visit for these things? Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 9. And I encourage you to read the 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 passages before verse 9 because they failed of fulfilling God's purpose they did what they failed of fulfilling God's purpose what is God's purpose seeking and saving the lost that Israel the nation of Israel failed in doing that they isolated themselves and felt that they were superior to the other nations around, the, around them. And so they failed in fulfilling the purpose of God. Jesus, when he was here, he prayed. We find his prayer in John 17. and Well, he prayed um, various times. But one of his prayers is that they all may be what? One. For what purpose? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. If we are not one, 
How can the world believe? We need to really think about that and be an answer to the prayer of the Son of God. Because they failed in fulfilling God's purpose, the children of Israel were set aside. And God's call was to extend it to other peoples. If these two prove unfaithful, will they not in like manner be rejected? What was the pride of the nation of Israel? Their father, Abraham. And what is the pride of Seventh-day Adventists today? The temple, the structure, the organization, the church. Just like the Jews of old, the temple. And they disregarded the word walking among them. God is not interested in buildings. He's interested in hearts and souls to transform them to the image of his son. Romans 9, 6, we read, I, send, I say then, they, did God cast off his people? God forbid. For I, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast off who? His people. But those who are chosen or selected as his people from the record, are faithful and loyal and obedient. Otherwise, he sets them aside. We become apostate. Right? I say then, that God cast off his people? God forbid. I'm sorry, I'm reading the, the I should read the following verse. God had not cast away his people, which he foreknew, what ye not, what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. Have you ever felt alone? But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. There are few in number. And it's sad to say I can relate to what I heard earlier visiting an Adventist church and it's not Adventist whatsoever. The only thing that it has that is Seventh-day Adventist, it's the name outside the building. And I'm not condemning these people, but it's a, it's a sad fact. Our religion indeed has been changed. 
And I hope that the faithful and the loyal will heed and wake up. Even so then, at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Is there a remnant today? Yes. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are of the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In other words, we are not all Seventh-day Adventist Christians. But God knows who those are. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promised. Do we belong to the Christ? I hope so. Only a, faith, a faithful few who accepted Christ rightfully maintained their status as children of Abraham and children of God. When Jesus walked on this earth, he addressed a group or children of Abraham and he told them and he directly your father is who? The devil. Why? Because the deeds of their father they were doing. But if we are Christ indeed, we are his children. Or his seed. Notice what Isaiah penned. Isaiah is also crieth concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea. A remnant shall be saved. How many Seventh-day Adventist Christians around the world are there today? The last I heard, about 20 million Seventh-day Adventists. By profession or name. But among those, there is a remnant. Those who are loyal and true... To the light that God has bestowed upon their path. Devoted Christians to the light that they have. Christ addressed this remnant when he said, Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Unfortunately, it's only a what? A little flock. A small people. Not the masses or the crowds. Unfortunately. But that's just the way it is. Because many love everything else but God. This was a remnant to whom God's prophetic promises were transferred. Notice, he shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. Now notice what was the response. And they heard it. They said, what? God forbid. 
Some, unfortunately, have the same attitude today. How can we not be God's people? The remnant church. What is a remnant? I believe we all know what a remnant is, right? What then would be the remnant church? When did God um, start it in bringing a group of people to give to the world his truths, those truths that are found in the Bible, in the Word of God? When? In the early 1840s, correct? He started to gather his remnant church or his remnant people. And so today, us who are alive in 2020, 2019, we are part of that same, or we should be part of that same movement. That same religion should be ours. But unfortunately, there has been a change brought by man, not by God. Webster's Dictionary defines it as a remainder, a small fragment, a surviving trace. Praise God that there is or there was a remainder of those truths that we can look back and know what the truth really is. A surviving trace. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea to recover once again a remnant. Therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam and I will cut off from Jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel and will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam Jeroboam, as a man taketh away dung till it be all gone. The biblical concept of the remnant deals with any group of loyal people who endures trials, apostasy, persecution, or some form of calamity. Any of these things can move you to separate yourself from the remnant people. Persecution. Can you give in and retract? Yes. Calamities. Can they discourage you? To give up not only your faith, but to abandon the people of God, the remnant. Apostasy. Apostasy from the truth. From the truth that God has given to his people. That also can separate you from being part of the remnant church. Trials. Can trials do that? Yes, they can. Noah and his immediate family survived the flood. A remnant came out of Ur of the Chaldees with Abraham. 
And Israel was scattered by false shepherds. And a remnant was gathered. Notice Jeremiah chapter 6. We read, Ye children of Benjamin, gather yourselves to flee out of the midst of Jerusalem, and blow the trumpet in Tekoa, and set up a sign of fire in Bethsarim, for evil appeareth out of the north and great destruction. I find it interesting here that the call to flee is out of where? The midst of Jerusalem. It doesn't matter where we are. If there's corruption and evil, we must flee. Correct? Influence is a very powerful thing. I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. You do some research on that verse. I thought I had wrote something here on my notes, but if you read that passage in other verses, I mean, in other translations, it reads, and I'm paraphrasing, that the daughter of Zion will be destroyed, will come to destruction. And that makes more sense to me because of the following verses. Notice. The shepherds with their flocks shall come unto her. They shall pitch their tents against her round about. They shall feed everyone in his place. Oh, here it is. The word lichen there is the Hebrew word dama, which is also can be translated destroy. So the daughter of Zion can also be translated as she will be destroyed. Prepare ye war against her. Arise and let us go up at noon. Woe unto us, for the day goeth away, for the shadows of the evening are stretched out. Now notice the grace of God leaves a remnant. Ezra 9.8 Be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from thee, lest I make thee desolate, a land inhabited. Be what? Instructed, lest my soul does what? Departs from thee. Be thou in, thus saith Jehovah of hosts, they shall thoroughly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. Turn again thy hand as grape gather into baskets. And now, for a little moment, Grace had been shown from Jehovah, our God, to leave us a what? A remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. God will always preserve a remnant. Praise God for that. We therefore see the all, that although destruction, calamity, ruin, etc. comes upon Zion, we see that a remnant is left. Even so, then at this present time, 
also there is a remnant. According to what? To the election of grace. How many are familiar with this verse? All of us here. And the dragon was wroth with the woman. The, the woman is a symbol of what? The church. And went to make war with the remnant of her seed. The remnant of whose seed? The church's seed. Correct? Which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Who does the dragon war with? The woman or the remnant of her seed? The remnant of her seed. And this remnant is described by what? They keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We find here two characteristics of the remnant. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. The reason why, and I'm sure that you will all agree, that why we are in a mess in Adventism today is because we no longer adhere to the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus or the spirit of prophecy found in the writings of Sister White have been set aside. We have set aside the sayings of the spirit of God. And by doing so, we have pushed aside God himself. Because those are his words. Speaking or inspiring through Christ the testimony of Jesus, his son. But the question here is now, are we doing the same? We need to make it a habit to read the spirit of prophecy. It's on our gadgets. There, you know, we have them on our hand, available. And the more you read them, the more you find. And it is your responsibility as well as mine to align my life with what is being said there. So that when Christ comes for the second time, I can be taken and be placed in his kingdom. We cannot expect to hear everything that has been written from a discourse given on Sabbath. There's much more. Would you agree? And so it is my appeal to you and my encouragement to you to just to do just that. Not only will you be blessed. But your eyes will be open. 
identifying the remnant. It is not just the beliefs of the remnant that constitute their identity and strength. Would you agree? It's not just my beliefs that make me part of the remnant, but the quality of the religious experience. The what? The quality, integrity, and pure conduct. Shouldn't we be that? The fruit of an intimate fellowship with Christ distinguished the remnant from the masses, even from those who claim to be of the remnant. The remnant experience is joyful religion expressed in unselfish labor for the salvation of others. Joyful what? Religion. In all honesty, we should be the happiest people on earth. But oftentimes, we are not because our religion has become a burden. And why has it, bec- why has it become a burden? Simple. We have lost our first love. Because when you're in love, nothing's a burden to the one whom you love. Nothing's a burden. So if our religious life is a burden, then we will, um, it would be wise for us to take the counsel of Christ, pray, get on our knees, and ask Him to revive us Again, today the remnant people of God are to glorify His name by proclaiming the last message of warning, the last invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The what? What does it say there? The only way in which they can fulfill God's expectation expectations is by being representatives of the truth for this time. What are we to be? representatives of the truth. And how can we be that? By our life and by our conduct. And by sharing these truths with others as well, we become God's representatives. The remnant people of God must be a converted people. The presentation of this message is to result in the conversion and sanctification of souls. We are to feel the power of the Spirit of God in this movement. What do you say? We can say that today. We are to feel the power of the Spirit of God in this movement. This is a wonderful, definite message. It means everything to the receiver, and it is to be proclaimed with a loud cry, We must have a true abiding faith that this message will go forth with increasing importance to the close of time. They will turn from every idol that that binds them to the earth and will worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. They will free themselves from every entanglement and will stand before the world as monuments of God's mercy. Obedient to the divine requirements, they will be recognized by angels and by men as those that have kept the commandments of God 
and the faith of Jesus. Would you like to be recognized this way? Purified by God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusted to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists who? The proud, but gives grace to whom? The humble. Should we be humble? Yes. Submit your, yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and do what? Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. What is the greatest battle that we ought to fight? Your spouse is not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. They, it may seem like they're your enemy, but they're not your enemy. The enemy is yourself. Jesus had plenty of enemies. Plenty of enemies. But he never sinned. Sister White, and I'm trying to remember her words in Steps to Christ. She says that everything that the devil can do, I believe she says, is to call out out of ourselves the evil of our nature. That's his work. To get us to sin and display our evil, our wicked character. We can't fall for that temptation. But in order for us not to fall, we need to be transformed. And by beholding, we become what? Changed. And we need to behold God. We need to behold His Son. And the way we do that is by reading and studying His Word and praying. And listening to beautiful hymns. Melodies that will lift our mind to heaven. The remnant of God are to undergo a true reformation in change in ideas and theories, habits and practices. With our consent and cooperation, God wants to wash us, make us clean and remove all of our evil doings and tendencies. To do good will become second nature. Do you believe that? If we ever attain holiness, it will be through the renunciation of self and reception of the mind of Christ. Pride and self-sufficiency must be crucified. Until we are willing to be transformed... Who is willing to be transformed? I'm willing. But I need to bring my actions along. Many, she says, will desire to be Christians. But they will be lost. Why? 
Because they didn't choose to be Christians. To be, what did she say? To be almost saved is to be what? Holy lost. We must let Christ dwell in our hearts by faith and be always conscious of the presence of God. Then the unbelieving multitude or the crowd, seeing that God is with us, his people, will unite us in the truth under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Christian's life is not a modification or improvement of the old, but a transformation of what? Nature. There is a death to self and sin and a new life altogether. This change can be brought about only by the effectual working of the Holy Spirit. So the Christian's life is not a modification or improvement of the old. You have improved. Or you made some slight changes. No. It's a transformation of nature. A new life altogether. That's what a Christian's life should be. When the Spirit takes possession of the heart, it transforms the life. Sinful thoughts are put away. We don't dwell on them. Evil deeds are renounced. Love for humility and peace take the place of anger, envy, and strife. Joy takes the place of sadness, and the countenance reflects the light of heaven. As I was hearing the children's story about the reflectors, and all that. We should be reflectors. That when someone sees, they see the light of heaven. When someone sees us, they should see the light of heaven. They should see Christ in our demeanor. Every remnant believer must purify his soul through obedience to the truth and with an eye single to exalt Jesus and his grace. Do you recall those who followed Christ? In early writings, in prayer to the Holy of Holies. Do you remember that? Have you read it? When they prayed, my Father give us what? Thy Spirit. Then Jesus would breathe upon them the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, as she says. And in that breath was what? Light. What else? Power. Much love. Joy. And peace. Do you know that Satan wants to rob us of that? Joy, love, and peace. And he's constantly doing that. But if we, are, but if we have the indwelling Christ, then this would be lived, lived out in our life. Conclusion. Let us... As the peculiar people of God, elevate the standard of Christian character, lest we come short of the reward that will be given to the good and faithful. Our probation will soon be ended. We must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It is those who hold fast the beginning of their confidence steadfast unto the end that will receive the crown of 
of immortal glory. Those who make so exalted a profession of truth must answer for the entrusted capital, simplicity, purity, forbearance, benevolence, and what? Love should characterize our Christian experience. We must labor continually by study of the scriptures and what? Earnest prayer to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. What do you say? I would like to end with this thought. It seems to me, as I was watching, and I thought about sharing it, but I'm not going to share it. Um, there's things that would say that, that are pretty harsh in a video clip. But I see movements. Men um, acting and fulfilling prophecy. It's happening all around the world. And I do see uh, fragments, or not fragments, oh, I could say fragments, of the same happening among God's people in a positive way, in a good way. Movements, actions, to finish the work. But I long for the day where we all can go out and illuminate the world with the light of the angel that comes down in Revelation 18. We need to start acting. Everyone else seems to be doing so. Satan is preparing his agents. As, they, as I heard someone says, said, the stage is ready. For the last final act of the drama. And we have a part to play in that. Do you believe that? Yes. But in order for us to act that part out. We must be full of God's Holy Spirit indeed. I pray that we can... If, the, if, if there's anything that you took from this study or talk, I pray that it would have stimulated you to consecrate your life more to God, to read more of what has been given us, and to pray that God can work in our life so that we can look upon ourselves and align ourselves with the counsel that God has given us. So that when that preparation takes place, He can use us as vessels and fill us with all His divine Spirit and use us to finish this work so that His Son can come. What do you say? Amen. With these words, I'll invite you, all who can kneel with me once again so that we can pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your words that you have left written, not only in the Bible, but also in the writings of the testimonies. We have no excuse. Please help us to conquer self. Help us to be willing to be made willing that we can live your life. Help us to be true and true and indeed of the remnant church. Help us, dear Father, to be reflectors of your character, of the light that you have bestowed upon your faithful ones throughout history, those men of old who we, who we read so much about. I pray, dear Father, that you please be with us. Help us is my prayer. And bless us as we continue throughout this blessed Sabbath. I pray that you continue to be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Standing on the Platform of Truth.